I know often I just take that for granted, that I can just pick up the Bible and read it. And Lord, um, we also understand to whom much is given, much will be required. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would help us to understand your mind and your principles and your message in these verses, and that then our lives would reflect that. And Lord, um, I need your grace and mercy to um, properly convey truth, and I need your Spirit to do the work. I am helpless apart from you, and so I yield myself to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been looking in First uh, Peter, a letter that God used Peter to record to encourage believers that were in the midst or would soon be in the midst of uh, severe persecution. You know, the cause of Christ has endured uh, persecution throughout its entirety. On April 15, 1943, a man by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer was arrested and imprisoned by the Gestapo for his political activities against the German Nazi regime. He had been speaking out against the Nazis, and eventually his words caught up with him. He saw that the Church of Jesus Christ was being persecuted and that his country was heading toward an abyss. And he decided to do whatever he could about it. Looking back, he felt he had become involved in some situations that he perhaps should have avoided. But um, two years later, he found himself facing the death sentence. On the day the sentence was to be carried out, a Sunday... He led a service in the prison where he was held, and it, it housed various men of many nationalities. One prisoner, an English army officer, who was also facing a death sentence but was later set free, wrote the following words describing the last day in Bonhoeffer's life. He wrote, Bonhoeffer always seemed to me to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. He was one of the very few persons I have ever met for whom God was real and always near. On Sunday, April 8, 1945, Pastor Bonhoeffer conducted a little service of worship, and spoke to us in a way that went to the heart of all of us. He found just the right words to express the spirit of our imprisonment and the thoughts and the resolutions it had brought us. He had hardly ended his last prayer when the door opened and two civilians entered. They said, Prisoner Bonhoeffer, come with us. That had only one meeting for all prisoners the gallows. We said goodbye to him. He took me aside and said, this is the end, but for me it is the beginning of life. The next day 
he was hanged in Flossenburg. That statement, this is the end, but for me it is the beginning of life. What was it that so possessed a man that even in the very moment of his death was able to have peace, and not only peace, but was able to have joy? What was the hope that possessed him? Why was he able to cling to it? Why could not even the death sentence going to the gallows uh, rob that from him? As we look at this passage in 1 Peter, we're going to see again how that regardless of what we face in life, Peter is calling our attention to principles that far surpass any circumstance in life. And as we said last week, these are principles that we need to come back to in our life and talk to ourselves about and remind ourselves of these truths. Last week, we looked at the first of these two principles. We said last week that um, in verse 3, Peter begins with a, an exaltation, a praise to God. And, and he's saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he is filled with thanksgiving. He is overflowing. And he begins with that. And then he comes down to verse 6. And he says, because of this, what we're going to look at in between here, between 3 and 6. He says, wherein, or because of these truths, wherein we greatly rejoice... Though now for a season, if need be, we are in heaviness through manifold temptation. So that praise, that exaltation of God, and that greatly rejoicing. What were the truths that Peter realized and that he wanted these believers to realize in Asia Minor? We saw last week that the first one was abundant mercy, which according to his abundant mercy... I don't know about you, but this week I just found myself thanking God for His abundant mercy over and over again. And it's coming back. You know, we can choose what we're going to focus on. Oh, this is bad and this is bad. And um, this week I had to do some plumbing. Plumbing and I don't do real well together, okay? It's just frustrating to me, and, and um, I get it tight and turn it on, and there's a drip. Yeah. It, 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 ooh. There's two drips, one on the end of the wrench and one on the other end of the wrench, right? And, and yet, you know, no matter what you face in life, it is God's mercy that you can even face it. And the mercy of God. And, and so he says, I want you to think on the mercy of God. What made Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what made him um, be rejoicing in the midst of all this? They said wherever he was, he, he, he was rejoicing in. Because he realized the abundant mercy of God. And it's realizing the abundant mercy. We need to celebrate the mercy of God. 
in all of our life to celebrate His mercy. But then He went on, and we saw last week, He has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a lively, a a living hope. And we saw last week that hope is not a hope so, it's a confident expectation. And it is it is not just alive and you have to question whether it's alive. It is lively. It is it is evident that it is alive. And so we ought to rejoice in that blessed hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that we will rise again and we'll have a new body and a new home. And he reminds us of that. So those are the first two things that we went over last week. Now he goes in and he says, we are also brought, verse 4, to an inheritance. An inheritance. I don't know if you've ever inherited anything. But inheritances... Are, are something that are passed on from one person to another. And uh, they often are passed on in a family, not strictly so. But our inheritance is Jesus Christ, and through Him it is heaven. But I, I get excited when I look at how he defined this inheritance. He said it is an inheritance that is incorruptible. That means it is untouched by death. It is immortal. It is imperishable. Nothing can make it disappear. Now, whatever inheritance you've ever gotten, you can't say that about it. You know what? This inheritance... This inheritance that we have, it doesn't matter if I get cancer in my body and it racks my body and eventually takes me, or if I get in a car accident and, and it mangles my body to the point, it doesn't mean my inheritance is gone. It's an inheritance that is incorruptible. That it is untouched by death. Tell me anything in your life right now that is untouchable by death. That's it. It's this inheritance. Our eternal life. And he says, believers, you are going to go through some great persecution, he's saying here. And he says, but remember this, God's abundant mercy, you have a living hope, and you have an inheritance that death cannot touch. Capital gains tax can't touch it. No tax can touch it. Ha, ha, ha. Do you realize what we have here? And he said it is undefiled. It is unstained by evil. Many, many people have been ruined by their inheritances. They've gotten big wads of money, and, and their love for money has corrupted them and destroyed them. This inheritance cannot be defiled by evil. It is without contamination or impurity. 
It is unpolluted in any way. Do you understand? No sin of any kind enters into heaven. It is undefiled. God says, I have an inheritance for you that death cannot stop. And it's an inheritance that is pure. There is no evil. There is no, no shred of evil. This is an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. And it is thirdly unfading. That fadeth not away. Unfading. That means it is unimpaired by time. You know, time really takes its toll on things, doesn't it? I mean, just go back and look at some pictures from one year ago and five years ago and ten years ago. I mean, time just just in everything, it takes its toll. You, you get a new house and over time... Things just start falling apart and breaking down. And, and time makes everything degenerate. This inheritance will not lose its pristine quality or its character. It is unwithering. It cannot lose its value or be cheapened in any way. There is no declining of its beauty. It is always new. You know, um, there's, there's certain things in life that, that are, you don't get very often, but they're just kind of nice, simple things. And uh, at Christmas time, you know, some got new socks and we were talking and said, you know, if I just... This wouldn't be true. I wouldn't do it. But it'd be nice to be able to put on new socks every day. There's just something about new socks. They sell new car scent, car fresheners for cars, to at least make the car smell like new. Our car takes a lot more than that, I'm telling you what. But we like new things. This inheritance is unfading. We can't imagine. It is always going to be new because it can't fade. No evil can corrupt it. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And that's why in Matthew 6 he said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through or steal and the stock market will not affect and the weather forecast or a drought cannot affect it. It is incorruptible and undefiled and it fades not away. Every stone in this life will crumble. Every column will fall. Every arch will collapse. Diamonds will chip. Gold will wear through. But as a believer, this inheritance of ours is truly an imperishable commodity that will endure forever. 
And so Dietrich Bonhoeffer was able in the midst of that, you can lop my head off. You can hang me until I have no more breath. Whatever you do, you cannot separate me from this inheritance. And so he was able to have joy. And Peter's writing to these believers, and he's saying to them, greatly rejoice. We greatly rejoice. Why? Because of our rich inheritance. It will never suffer a a difference, a, a variation in value or glory or beauty, it is time-proof. We've, we've seen in, in our nation that in just a matter of seconds, billions of dollars of wealth can, can just be destroyed. But not to your inheritance. And he says, I want you to think on these things. Think about it. Am I really living as if I truly believed this precious and magnificent promise that God has given me an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away? And then notice what he says, it's reserved in heaven for you. It's reserved in heaven for you. It carries much more meaning than, than going to the, the reception desk at a motel and saying, uh, yes, I have a reservation for Dennis St. Lawrence. That's always a nervous time for me because you've made the reservation. You've got the confirmation number. And as I've said before, with our name like St. Lawrence, they never know where to find it. Okay? So they go through and... you. you you start looking on their face. You know, you're standing there, and they go through. Um, when did you make this reservation? That's a bad sign. They, or they'll say, what was your name again? St. Lawrence, S-T, capital L-A-W. And, and I'll often say, it might be under S-T or S-L, or it might be under L, or it might be under D-S-L, or who knows what it is. Or, you know, now they're on computers and they're looking at and they're moving that mouse around. Ah, we don't have. Well, I've got the confirmation number here. Um, Maybe that'll help. Well, let's type that. It's always a relief, isn't it? When, when, whenever you're able to go up and say, I've got it. Yes, we have it right here for you. And you say, but this reserved in heaven for you is much more than then there it is, it's set back there, and yep, we have it for you. This word that is used here means to guard, to keep an eye on it, to watch it as a precious possession, to retain custody of it, to preserve it. So God says, I have an inheritance for you. And he says, I just want you to know it is incorruptible. It is undefiled. It is never fading away. And I want you to know that I am guarding it. Amen? You talk about in good hands. He said, it is reserved for you. See, we haven't begun to see what salvation is all about. Yeah, He gives peace. He gives fellowship with God. But we're going to see the fullness of salvation when we get to heaven. When we get the full inheritance. We're just, as the, the 
songwriter said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We're just getting the appetizer of what it's going to be like. And he says, I have got this, this reserved. I am guarding it. And besides that, it's incorruptible and undefiled. It fades not away. So he said, no matter what you're going through in this life, come back and think about the inheritance that you have. Think about the inheritance that you have. We, through Jesus Christ, are born into this inheritance when we're born again. But then he goes on and he reminds them of one more thing. He said, now remember what you're going to go through. Remember you, God's abundant mercy. Remember the lively, confident expectation and the inheritance that you have. And then he says in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, remember your blessed assurance. We are kept. By the power of God. And it's a similar word, uh, a similar meaning to reserve. It means that God stands guard over our salvation as a garrison, as a defense city, and it is God Himself. What keeps you saved? By you doing right? No. I am kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Now, if I am truly saved, I will have a desire to do right. And when I do wrong, the Holy Spirit will convict me. But my salvation is eternally secure, not because of what I do, but because of what God has done. And I am kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. It is not me keeping it. If it is, I can get to heaven and I can say, Sarah, you made it. Hey, we made it. We're not going to be able to say we made it. We're going to come before God and we're going to bow down before Him and we're going to sing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's all Him. And do you understand? He is keeping it. My salvation is not up to, to um, my physical ability, my spiritual ability. The, the day may come when physically I'm not able to do anything or mentally I'm not able to. That may be closer than I realize, all right? But my salvation is kept by the power of God. And, and he wrote to these believers and he said to them, the same power that created this universe and resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead and gave us forgiveness of sins is the same power that keeps us. And you know what? We are kept by the power of God. He doesn't delegate that to anyone else. I, I think the song, I think it's day by day and with each passing moment, in it, it says, um, it says something good in it, all right? Um, it says, a charge he laid on himself, that on himself he laid that charge, 
and it's, he's not giving it to anyone else. He didn't delegate this to Michael. Michael, the archangel, you watch this. We are kept by the power of God. Do you understand? Do you understand what you have been given? And regardless of what happens, regardless of what may come in this life, God is still merciful to me. And I have a living hope and an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. And I am kept by the power of God. John chapter 10 and verse 27. It, it mentions the, the keeping power of God. And what a blessing. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Some of you old-timers will remember Cassius Clay. How many of you remember Cassius Clay, all right? And he said, I am the greatest. The rest of you may know him as Muhammad Ali. I am the greatest. Tell smoking Joe Frazier took care of him, right? Muhammad Ali today is racked by physical diseases. But notice what it says, who's keeping our inheritance. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Amen? That's what you've been given in Christ. So, why let a, 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 a leaking plumbing or a broken down car or all your 401k going down the toilet? You know, why let that bother you? I don't like how the U.S. is going. But you know what? My hope is not in the U.S., my hope is in the Lord who made both heaven and earth. And it is kept by the power of God. He is the greatest. In Romans chapter 8, again, he says, What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither Democrats or Republicans, neither health or sickness or whatever you want to put in there, life or death or angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And that is blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. See that? Referring to the inheritance. An heir of salvation, purchase of God. And he's writing to these believers, and he's going to give them great counsel. But he begins by saying, praise God for his abundant mercy, for the lively hope that we have, for the inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away. 
reserved, protected, and kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. You know, I think sometimes we as Christians spend too much time wringing our hands about the stimulus package about what's going on in our world today, and we're not thinking enough about our inheritance, our lively hope. I know we need to be the light of the world, but you know what? When when you become frustrated, angry, and upset, you're thinking too much on the wrong things. You know what? How's that different than the world? Bonhoeffer could have been in prison. I'm sick of these Nazis. Man, I I wish I could get out of here and just blow them up. You hear what they did? They they just passed this bill. They just moved into Austria. You hear what they did? Blah, 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 blah. And no one would have written about him. You know what? Wherever he went, there was joy. He lived like on a different plane. Let me ask you, what do the people you're around see in you? What are the people that, that you work with? What do they see in you? Do they see joy? Wherein we greatly rejoice... Though not for a season, if need be, we are in heaviness through manifold temptation. How can we greatly rejoice? Because of God's abundant mercy, the lively hope that He has given to us, the inheritance which nothing can touch, and the blessed assurance that we have in Christ. What are you showing forth? Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll miss everything. Heavenly Father, I pray that our lives would show forth the greatness of You. Lord, I know that um, individuals here may be going through some severe trials, even this morning. Lord, we don't know what may lie ahead of us, but Lord, help us to live and by faith to rest in the promises of Your Word so that we will rise above the circumstances and rejoice in the truth of You. Lord, I would pray for anyone here today that does not have that inheritance because they've never called upon Jesus Christ. They don't have that blessed assurance that they are kept by the power of you because they've never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that they would see 
that you desire them to call upon you for the forgiveness of sins. And that you said, for whosoever will call upon your name would be saved. Lord, I pray for believers today. I pray that our focus would be on you. And I pray that we would rise above the things which are seen. And Lord, that we really would walk in that which is eternal. For we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.